0: to take you to the book of 1st Corinthians chapter 9. Oh, help me, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. love you, Jesus. 1st Corinthians chapter 9. Oh, thank you, Lord. Starting with verse number 24, you'll see it on the screen behind me. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? should be a castaway. And right from my text, I want to preach to you today, run that ye may obtain. Run that ye may obtain. And as you're taking your seats, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray right now for the remainder of our time together as we have prepared our hearts to receive your word, that the word would be received today. I cast out every hindrance, distraction, and high thing that tries to exalt itself and stand in the way of your understanding and truth. I pray for the hearer and the doer of the word, that these applications would be sought after today and every day. Help me, Lord, to be nothing more and nothing less than a vessel for your word. I pray all of this in your matchless and mighty name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Church, I come to you this morning to bring encouragement in this race that we are all running this race to the end this race to the end of time the race that doesn't end until everyone will see Jesus face to face and yes everyone will see Jesus face to face and we continue in great anticipation to hope to hear him say well done thou good and faithful servant Oh, I know I look forward to that day, as and I know you look forward to that day, and so do I. I can't wait, but until that time, there is a race, as Paul puts it, that we are all a part of. I have decided to put my running shoes on today. Some of you may have noticed, others may not. They're not the best shoes, but they're not the worst shoes. They're not the most expensive shoes, but they're not the cheapest shoes. I put my running shoes on today to kind of give you a visual as to what we're going to do today. And I, I've decided to put them on because you never know, I may start running around this sanctuary today. And I hope you'll join me if I do. Uh, I know I'm not the only one crazy for Jesus in this place. Not that you have to run to be crazy for Jesus, but I know I'm not the only one that would do this in this place. Amen? Amen. Church, there will be times where this race that we're running is a downhill stroll with the wind at your back, and other times where it's literally an uphill battle, where you can barely take one foot in front of the other. Your knees start getting weak, your shoulders start getting tired, your abdomen starts to get sore, you're cramping up and you just don't feel like you can go on any longer. When we read here what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, we read and understand that everyone again is in this race, as Paul puts it. Like a race, everyone should be running for the ultimate prize. Not trophy, not a trophy or a cash prize uh, that one would receive in the world, but the eternal prize of Jesus, the incorruptible crown. Right. It's not a competition either of who can get there first. Because I am running this race toward Jesus. I am not running to see if I can get there quicker than Brother Jeff. I am not running to see if I can get there quicker than Pastor Jeremy. I am not running to see if I can get there quicker than Sister Avery. I am running with the one thing on my mind, the goal to reach my destination, the goal to reach Jesus. Hallelujah. And as Pastor Lucas preached this Wednesday and as you've heard about already, we can't skip this journey. We must keep pushing. Yeah. We must keep our eyes on the eternal prize, our sole focus on the prize. And, you know, with your, your sole focus on the prize, did you know that everything else will fall into place? Just a little side note there. Let me get back to my notes here. <laughs> I was talking with uh, Pastor Kennedy before he left and Tabby, you remember because you were there too. He, he was talking about running marathons and how he was training to run in a marathon. Yep. He, he shared this with me. He said, each runner in that marathon is not necessarily running against each other. Albeit there may be a nice prize at the end for first place and so on, but they are really competing against themselves because no one will hinder their performance, their run, their finish, more than themselves. No one will hinder their performance more than their own choices, their own personal choices that each runner takes, the path that each runner takes, the the, the preparation for that very time through it all. No one but themselves. And I want to tell someone here today that if you have become weary to keep running, and if you need to stop running and slow down, then keep walking forward. Because remember what the Bible says in Isaiah 40:31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. It is imperative that you keep moving forward, that you keep pressing toward the mark of the high calling of Christ that you keep pursuing Jesus relentlessly keep running the race that has been set before you and keep running to Jesus you see church whether you've realized it or not God has a perfect plan for your life God has a perfect plan for your life If you've been at the Church of Omaha for any length of time, I can imagine that as you pray and as you are prayed over, that God makes this more clear for you. I know there's testimony after testimony in this place of, well, I was doing one thing, but God told me to stop so I could stay on his path, and you did it, and guess what? God followed through, amen? And when I say that God has a plan for your life, I'm not saying that it's some ticket to go and live how you desire without him at the helm. In the book of Jonah, we read that Jonah knew what God wanted him to do, yet what did Jonah do? He ran away. He ran the opposite direction. Jonah seems to use every excuse in the book to attempt to run away from God, yet God still had a plan for his life. And because of this, God did not give up on Jonah. Like Jonah, sometimes we too make up excuses and, and to not continue in, in God's will for our lives. I often think of my own life, uh-oh, and how God was in every single bit of it. Even those times where I willingly chose to step away for a time. He was there trying to get me back on track. I remember one time in particular, if I can just take a moment here. There I was laying on my couch at two o'clock in the morning. I couldn't sleep. I was, make, <laughs> I was making some choices that I knew I shouldn't be making. This was back in like 2012 and so on. And so, you know, so before I was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, God was getting my attention. I was laying there on my couch making all these bad choices and I couldn't sleep. I was restless and all of a sudden I'm like, Lord, what do you want? Nothing else to say. He said, Stop. Stop. You want to know what I did? (laughs) I stopped. I stopped for a short time. Yes, I may have gone on and done other things, but you know what I was able to do right after that? After those restless feelings of me wrestling with my flesh and whatnot? I was able to sleep that night. All of that went away even for a moment. Now, hear me. I've made excuses. I've chosen to do things of my own will. But God has been with you, even in your excuses. If you've been making excuses, can I tell you that it's time to put them away? Can I tell you that it's time to put them to rest? God hasn't given up on you yet. Quit running from Him. And turn toward Him and run. Turn from the wickedness of what, you, what you've what you done. Repent and turn to Jesus, which is literally turning from one direction completely to another, repenting of those things and turning toward Jesus and run. Some of you here, God has been trying to get your attention. However that may be. So my question then is, when's the last time you gave God an excuse? And let me follow up with a question of, did it work? Did it work? I don't know who needs to hear this, but child of God, you've been running away for too long. You've been running array for too long. You've been running awry, excuse me, for too long. You've been stepping over the straight and narrow path on this wavy road that has brought yourself to this point. The time to turn from the idols of the world, from the pleasures of the world, from the sins of the world, and turn to Jesus is now. Now. Right now. In fact, listen here, yesterday wasn't now, the day before was not now, last week wasn't now, because those have already came and gone. You can't change the choice you made then, but you've come here today, church, and I want to boldly declare to you that today is now, because as the Bible reads, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation, right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, John spoke of this when the Messiah came and declared in Matthew 3 2, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right now, the NLT says it like this, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Church, I felt so deep in my spirit and it's been confirmed to me over and over again that the time is now to run to Jesus. Let me say that again. The time is now to run to Jesus. Now, while that may sound cliche or whatever word you want to use, I'd rather it be true of you than the alternative. I'd rather see you running toward Jesus than running on this wavy road that you're trying to pave yourself, that you're trying to lay the bricks on yourself and get back on that straight and narrow, that straight and narrow that you can only be on with Jesus. He's the only one that can keep you on that. But let me tell you, he's not going to be the one to take you off that. That's your own choices. You've got a choice each day of whom you will serve. And may you, like Joshua, say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. With that choice each day comes some side effects, right, Bishop, which you covered a couple weeks back and in times past of eternal joy, of peace, of understanding, and so much more. All of these positive and great things are happening. And don't get me wrong, the positives definitely outweigh the negatives by a long shot. But if I can echo the words of T.F. Tenney, Jesus fed 5,000, but only 500 followed him after lunch. He had 12 disciples, but only three went further into the garden, and only one stood with him at the cross. The closer you get to the cross, the smaller the crowd becomes. And the way I see it is like this. Every human being that has ever lived has been born with a God-sized space in their heart. And you guessed it, it's one that only God can fill. One may attempt, if you've heard my testimony, you know that I've attempted, and you have attempted in some way to fill it with things that are not of God. I'm talking things like maybe some certain hobbies, alcohol, drugs, unhealthy relationships, busyness, you name it. But in the end, it can only be filled with Him. It can only be filled with Jesus. So so picture this. Picture this for a moment. As you get closer to Jesus, the space for Him gets larger. And let me explain it. Number one, because as you get closer... You are seeking Him more. You are focusing on Him more. And number two, these things that you were once doing no longer matter the closer you get to Him. So that space that was once filled with them is now filled with Jesus. Those certain hobbies are no longer appetizing. Those addictions begin to peel away. Those unhealthy relationships begin to drop like the flies that they've always been. That busyness that once consumed your time is something you've realized you need some help from others. This void or space becomes bigger. And there's a reason why only one stood with Jesus at the cross. There's a reason why the crowd dwindled significantly the closer the cross became. Why? Because the people weren't willing, they weren't ready to give up on those things that they were holding on to to allow God to fill them up. To get closer to the cross, there must be a willingness and a press in to peel the world away. Let me put this into perspective. I absolutely love getting together with my extended family, both my side of the family and my wife's side of the family. You can ask my wife. I find lots of joy in fellowship 95% of the time. Uh, oftentimes, I am more excited than she is. And maybe she just doesn't express it. And I sometimes don't either. But, but when I get together with family, you know, they may not see the excitement of my face. And, you know, I got together recently with uh, some of my wife's side of the family. Uh, we, were, we were getting together and somebody commented, and said, Trevor, does your face ever change? I'm like, whoa, <laughs> well. <laughs> and other people have commented that in here because let, let's just face it, I've, I've got a problem expressing a little bit here. You know, I'm working on it. I, 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 when I smile, it goes down, and when I frown, it goes up type thing. You know, I just, it just does, does weird things. That's fine. But, but and, you know, sometimes they call me out on it, and if you know me, you know, you know my facial expressions may not match how I'm feeling. So stop reading me, okay? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it, okay? <laughs> As I was prepping for this, these family gatherings, uh, to get-togethers, came to my mind because of just how much I enjoy them. When we get together with the extended family, there can be some that partake in things that I, that I do not want to be around, that I have no desire to partake in. Remember that Jesus hung out with people of all kinds, from all walks of life, but didn't partake in certain things, right? He was in the world, but not of it. And like Jesus... I can imagine that there are some of you that can relate. I can relate. I can be with these people but not partake in those things which would be detrimental to my walk with God. I will have conversations with family. I'll laugh with family. I'll cry with family. I'll celebrate with family. Because while I'm called to be a peculiar people, I'm not going to act weird. Any weirder than I already do. Let's get that straight. But at the same time, there comes a point to where if certain things start taking over that place, that it's time for me to go because I no longer want to be a part of that. There's more of this going on than what I came for. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where God nudged you to leave and you didn't? You don't have to raise your hand. But I want to ask again, how did that turn out for you? And what I'm trying to get at is that void being filled... Is that the void being filled because while you are getting close to Jesus, there's a void that grows larger. As you peel away from the world, the void or space becomes increasingly unfillable with anything but Jesus. Let me say that again. The void that grows when you peel away from the world and the pressures thereof cannot be truly filled with anything but Jesus. And church, on this journey with Jesus, as you get closer to him, one must be careful of temptations. Why? Because temptations are one of those things that will not go away, at least not in this life. There's always going to be something that tempts you. I'm sorry, I hate to burst your bubble, but there will be always be a temptation Temptations are those which grow increasingly, and they have grown increasingly, and some are at the very tips of our fingers. As I go about my week, I look around me, I see things on my drive to work, when I get to work, when I go to the store, when I do different things, and these potential temptations, these things that try to grab my attention in the form of maybe food, of pictures, uh, of material items, of money, and so much more. Can you overcome temptation to fend it off in the future? Yes, but hear me. When we read about the, uh, at the onset of creation in the book of Genesis in the garden, where we read of Adam and Eve and how they were deceived, there they were. In this garden, in the cool of the day, when they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day, by, by the which, by the way, is a very cool thing to think about, hearing the sound of the Lord walking in the garden, but that's for another study. But, but there they were, the shortly after they had been deceived. They knew that they had done wrong. You see, Adam and Eve were so very close to God, but the temptation to eat of the tree was still there. The desire to step away from God was still there. The desire to do something that they were told not to do was still there. Adam and Eve were, close to, were as close as any human creation has ever been to God, and the temptation was still there. Now, am I saying that as you get close to God, that you can still be deceived? Yes. Yes and no. As you draw closer to God, the enemy takes notice. You know this. The enemy sees you as a threat. The enemy sees what you are doing, but remember too that the devil ain't no dummy. He's not going to tempt you with something that you've never been tempted with or that won't tempt you. What will happen is that the enemy may put a question, uh, may question you asking, Did God really tell you not to do this? Did God really tell you to do this? Does his word really say that? Because while he can't change the word because the word is forever settled in heaven, he'll question you to make you think that it can be, that it can mean something else, that it can mean something that it does not mean. Amen. Or maybe you're walking along and something catches your eye, i.e. the temptation, and a question pops up asking, do you really need to look away? And rather than look away, you just keep on looking. And thoughts begin to consume you. You see, these questions and such come in the form of temptation to succumb to the spirit of compromise. There it is. The spirit of compromise. The devil wants nothing more than for you to compromise your walk with God. To pray less, to worship less, to read his word less, to fellowship less, to do those things which got you to this point in your walk with God and those things which brought you closer to him. But when you feel this temptation to compromise your walk with God, to take the easy road, the road you create rather than the road that God desires to have you on. Remember that temptation only comes because Satan can't see where you're going. He can only see where you've been. He only sees you as a has-been, not your future. He can only see where you've fallen before but doesn't know your future. And let me tell somebody that while that's all true, we have a hope and a future in Jesus. We have a hope And a future in Jesus. Hallelujah. Say it again. We have a hope and a future in Jesus. Oh, God has a plan, remember. It's brilliant. And you are a part of it. The devil can't plan for the future because he can't see it. You get what I'm saying. But also, even so, sometimes it's not the enemy that plants these things. It's not the enemy that always plants these desires to compromise or walk away from the path that God has you on. Sometimes we can get in our own way. These can come in the forms of excuses, as I mentioned with Jonah. They can come from selfish desires. Um, They can come in the form of a lack of desire. They can come in many shapes and forms. But ultimately, we have a choice to make daily, to die daily, to put those things away daily. To say, Lord, protect my mind from those things. Show me when something like this comes my way and help me to deter from that. to, to, To stay on the road that you have me on. To put these spiritual blinders on, if you will. So I can remain focused. Praise team, make your way up here. We must die to the flesh that was once taking over everything. Church, I bring that all around to say this. Run that ye may obtain. Run to Jesus that ye may obtain. Run to Jesus like there is no alternative. Run to Jesus like there is no choice but to run. Run to Jesus like there is no time to waste. Run to Jesus like tomorrow may be your last day. Run to Jesus like you won't make it out of this sanctuary today. Run to Jesus like you've never run to Jesus before. And then run some more. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus as you run and you will keep your body in subjection. Keep your thoughts fixed on Jesus and you won't be captivated by the things this world tries to tear you away with. Keep your eyes fixed on the eternal prize that is set before you. Keep yourself on the path that the Lord has set before you. Stand with me. You may fall off of that path. But the just man falls seven times and gets back up again. Oh, there's a whole lot of people in this place that have grown weary that are tired. Some may be more than others. Weariness happens. If you've grown weary, then go ahead and allow God to fill you back up again. Go ahead and allow God to just fill to the brim that void, that space that I've been talking to you about. Jesus gives you the endurance to keep running the race. He will keep you on this pathway, his pathway, so long as you stay fixed on him. And as I come to a close here today, you may be asking, well, how can I get back on this path that God desires me to be on? How can I keep pressing forward? I'm tired. I don't know if I can go on any longer. Jesus is here today to bring you back up to put you back on track. There may be some pain involved, but let me tell you that joy is coming. There may be some pain involved, but let me tell you there's some peace that's coming. There may be some pain involved as you peel away these things that are trying to consume you, but let me tell you that Jesus is coming. Jesus is here for you today. Come to the altar. These altars are open. I encourage you, come and pray. Allow God to fill you back up again. Hallelujah. He wants to fill that space that you have for him because he's the only one that can. He wants to fill you up with all of him so that you can go about your day, so that you can go about your week and say, Jesus has my heart. He's got my mind. I put my all in him. I give my all to him. If you're not sure how to get on this path, it starts right here. It starts right here in the altar. It starts with that repentant heart saying, I'm sorry for wherever I've turned away, but I'm here now, Lord. Lead me, help me, show me. Go ahead, let us pray. Let us pray in Jesus' name. Oh, Jesus, You are the author and the finisher of our faith. Oh, God, I put my trust in You. I put my hope in You. I need You to help me, Lord, to get back on this path that You have me on. I want to run for You, Jesus, but sometimes I fall away, and I thank You for picking me back up again, for allowing me to continue on this path that You have me on. If there's anything that I need to do, Lord, that's not of You, help me to get rid of it. You'll lead me in the path of righteousness for your. Your namesake hallelujah let us pray hallelujah we thank you Jesus you're my all-in-all all. you're my everything fill me up oh God fill me up oh God fill me up oh God in the name of Jesus